Hello folks, welcome back to the RLS podcast. We are on episode 56 and we have, I don't even want to call him a guest because he's hes not necessarily like a guest to this. He's, um, he's someone I've actually known now for a good number of years, um, probably even dating back to like, probably even dating back to college, although I maybe didn't know you know you, I knew who you were. And then we went to university together and didn't see Lucas for a couple of years and then came across him again. And now he's actually working within the program, the nine to five athlete. Um, but yeah, Lucas, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing doing good, man. Doing good. Pleasure to finally be on the podcast. No, mate, it's a it's a pleasure, pleasure to me as well. Um, yeah, mate, I think I kind of didn't even really introduce you there, introduce you there properly, but I think it's better if I kind of let you do that. So who are you? How old are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Okay, um, I'm Lucas. I'm 24 years old. Uh, I live in Monifief, which for those who aren't familiar, if you've got the city of Dundee, it's about 10 minute drive up the coast just before um, Carnoustie and Arbroath. Um, when I'm not in Monifief, I'm living in Liverpool, where I work as a strength and conditioning coach for Liverpool John Moore's University. And I do a bit of personal training as well on the side. Cool. Nice, mate. Good introduction. Um, I think obviously it's important to kind of for me to introduce you to like almost anyone who's listening, but also like a lot of my clients are going to be listening to this as well, just to get like a more of a gist of who you are. Like I think about a couple of months ago, I was speaking to my coach and basically come across a challenge within my coaching program that I didn't have enough time to do programming and that was the main kind of thing that was holding me back in regards to being able to give the best service possible so literally I remember sitting in the car having the conversation with him and he was like it's programming that's your problem who can, who can you bring in to help programming and then like in an instant you came to my mind because I'd obviously just seen that you'd got your master's down in Liverpool I knew you from universe uh, from, from the last year at Aberty um, and I just know that you're like generally you're a, you're a good guy you're a good guy um, it's so I think it's yeah, I was like, that's the person I want to get in, but I'm like, there's a fucking slim chance he's going to be available. But um, you happen to be in quite a unique situation just now. What's going on in your life just now? Yeah, so um, actually, good that you mentioned that. So um, last year, last summer, uh, when I was in Liverpool, I went into the hospital with a very bad kidney infection. Started out as a urine infection turned into a really bad kidney infection. Now, I've kind of got a history of kidney issues. Um, long story short, uh, what, about four weeks ago, I had my kidney removed, um, and that was in Liverpool. And it was actually the week before the surgery that you had got in touch with me. And obviously, you hadn't had a clue what was going on. Um, and when we spoke, you're like, look, I've got this opportunity for you. And I was like, well, this has kind of came at a good time because obviously I'm off my work for like, I've been off work for like, what, four weeks now? I've got another two, three weeks to go. And um, to be fair, I think that if I hadn't had anything to do whilst I was at home, keeping me busy, I would probably be going absolutely insane. Yeah. And I, th- I, think you'll know, I think you'll know yourself, mate, as someone who's like, you know, personal training, strength conditioning coach, like working out like is like a big part of my life, like three, four times a week. Uh, I, I do, I deliver classes at the university. I do spin class. So I'm a very active person. And from going from, you know, 
high levels of activity to literally no heavy lifting, can't even pick up anything from the floor without risking a hernia. So it's really came at a good time that whilst I'm, you know, recuperating, resting, you've got me on board to help you with your side of the business. And um, it's been really good for me because I think like when you came out of lockdown, you had that, you had a really good taste for the online kind of coaching business and look where it is now. And I'm more kind of in person. So give me the experience of doing online stuff and working alongside you is it's, you know, it's, it's a learning point for me, but it's helping you out as well. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's really came out of, uh, yeah, like, like you say, like a unique time, a unique situation. Yeah, that's definitely been like a, a win-win for both of us. I can obviously like take from your strength and conditioning experience. You can take from my online coaching experience. And if we merge them as one, it's, it's quite a quite a tasty offer, I think. Definitely. But yeah, mate, that's just a kind of like, a, a, almost like a side note. Like how have you, how have you been able to cope with not working out? Is there anything that you've like been able to do or is it just kind of been dealing with frustrations? Um, so the first week, obviously, I was incapacitated. I was off my face on pain meds. Even getting in and out of bed was literally extremely painful. And, you know, the, the doctor was like, okay, like, you, you, I'd recommend just walking and just walking. So literally every day I wake up in the morning, I walk the dog, come back, do some work for you. Then I'll go for a longer walk down the beach. And to be fair, like walking is all I can really do at the moment. I, I was thinking the other day, like, you know, maybe I should, you know, can I start doing like press ups and, you know, just like some bodyweight calisthenic stuff, but I don't really want to risk it. But um, a big part of it for me has just been getting out, enjoying the fresh air because as, as much as I, as much as I love and miss Liverpool, it's very, you know, it's, it's very, it's, it's, it's a huge city. And it's just buildings, but when you come back up here to Scotland, like Monty Fife, like the coast is like the sea is literally right there, the beach is right there. You know, like there's like little like woodlands I can walk around and getting out, you know, a couple of hours a day has really, really helped. But um I've also been doing kind of a bit of like mindfulness and meditation, like two or three times a week. Um at the moment, I do like a Monday, a Wednesday, and a Friday. And it's just kind of like maybe in the morning after I've walked the dog, just a little 10, 15 minutes and just focusing on my breathing, focusing on kind of highlighting what I'm wanting to do for that day, what I want to do for the next couple of days. And also, you know, like I have like been a bit nervous like the past. I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going back down to Liverpool at the end of February, like, you know, people at my work are like, we're really excited to get you back in. And it's like, I'm excited to get back in as well. But like, it's also like really nervous. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm nervous to like, cause like I said, before Christmas, I was coaching all, all day, every day. Now I've not done anything. I've got to work my way back up to that. So it's kind of, I guess you could say it's been a bit of kind of like anxiety as such. So that kind of mindfulness, like getting out my thoughts, focusing on being in the moment and kind of like, almost like manifesting what I'm wanting to do and like kind of putting a plan in place for when I get back down. That's been kind of not, not like a saving point, but it's been super helpful to kind of keep me focused. Yeah. And I mean, that's quality. Um, I think it's such a hard situation to attack. And I think with like fitness people and 
people that are kind of in our industry, like we'll always find a way of continuing to move and continuing to work on ourselves. Like I think someone used the example like a couple of weeks ago, he was like, I fucking love training so much. Like if you saw both of my legs off, I will be doing pull-ups all day long yeah. from my wheelchair. Um, and yeah. it's like, we will always find a way of exerting ourselves because it is, it's something that makes us tick. It's like, for some people, they'll get an injury and they go, oh, can't work out or can't do this. And it's almost like a, it's like a burden on their life. But there's, I always like to think if something like similar to you did happen, I would always find something to um, entertain my brain and my body, if that makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think like you say as well, like for, I mean, you, you'll know yourself and I think a lot of PTs and strength and conditioning coaches can resonate with it. It's like, you know, a cold, a cold doesn't really stop you. If, if, if you've got like a chest infection, yeah, you probably shouldn't be going into work probably shouldn't be spreading that about but like there's some there's, there's just something in us that's like no like i'm going to keep pushing myself through it and i think that comes from like you know high, highlighting your own goals like if you want to get in shape or if you're training for an event like if you can show yourself that you can like push through a bit of hardship and you know that hardship can be like a cold or you're just like a bit run down like in my situation you know if i have my kidney removed i can't really train like we're always kind of looking for some sort of like crack through the stone of like just just getting through it because we don't want to just stop. Yeah, we well, we're just gonna want to push through it and get to the side no matter what that is. Yeah, net class. Um, so like moving on, mate. How did you get into coaching? How did you get into this industry? What gave you the bug to start off? So I left Monifief High School 2016, and honestly, I didn't have a clue what to do. I think I. Was signed up to the HND sports coach and development course at Dundee Angus College and I was like the last person to get on um the course and I'd always like you know always loved doing PE during school I was like just just physical activity I just loved it wasn't really interested in things like maths or history or all that so I did my two years um coaching degree at Dundee Angus College and through that um I was like a football coach from Monifief Athletic and they very kindly put me through my coaching badges up to 1.3. So like that's like the one before your, I don't know, it's like UEFA C or, or whatever. Um, and yeah, that it just kind of started off as like football coaching um, and kind of multi-sport coaching. Um, and then when I left college 2018, um, one of my really good friends, Callum, he was in America doing a, a soccer scholarship. He'd just been to Louisiana, and at that point, he was in Minnesota. And he was like, oh, there could be an opportunity for you to like come out here for the summer and coach football. I was like, that'd be unreal. I'd never been, I'd been to America once, but never been on that like kind of experience. So went out to Minnesota for two months, coach football, got a really like amazing eyesight into what it's like on that side of the world like compared to here totally different um, and then after that summer I went straight into third year at Aberté I thought you, you did the same progression right two years at college and then straight into third year at Aberté yeah yeah so that's that's why I did two years at college went straight into third year at Aberté and that was when I did the strength and conditioning um, course I uh, was also the football coach for Aberté uh, Football Club, the Twos, which was an amazing experience. What a great group of lads. 
But until that point, I'd never really done actual like personal training. The only kind of sort of training in the gym that I'd done was like myself and me with my pals. And I don't think it was until um, my, my, my third year placement, I was, I think I was with uh, Chris Simpson, who was obviously our lecturer. And he had his um, his business fit for purpose, I think it is. And I just asked him, like, can I come shadow? And that was my that was my first experience in the gym as a intern strength and conditioning coach. And from there, I've just kind of found opportunities, you know, and grown my grown my network. And someone's always got an opportunity going somewhere. So that's how yeah, that, that's how I got into coaching, really. Cool, man. That's kind of similar to to my journey in a sense. I think we obviously we came across each other. Was it was it fourth year we came across each other in in Aberdeen, or was it third? Yeah, we're in, yeah we're in the same class in fourth year. That's right. Yeah, we came across each other in fourth year. But I I did a kind of similar thing. Where I did two years, did third year, almost failed third year. Went away to Australia. Had no intentions of coming back to uni, <laughs> and then just got back and I was like, well, what the hell else am I doing? So I'd be as well finishing it. Um, it's just funny how things work out like that. But I think the exact same thing, like within the kind of coaching realm it's not about like waiting for jobs to come to you or like just waiting and sitting on and indeed waiting for a coaching job to pop up you need to go and like seek these internships do free yeah. work I think and there's obviously like any personal trainers or any kind of coaches listening like that is what you need to do you need to just it's not 100%. even just about the experience itself it's about just like as you said making connections networking like okay I know this person he knows this person I've got an opportunity here for you if you're any good at it then you'll you will you'll get you'll get a career out of that. I think people just sometimes wait for it to come to them. Um, I would agree with that hundred percent, mate. Hundred percent. Yeah. So then, what happened with? I think you talked about like the Beefit Academy, and then obviously you went down to Liverpool. How did that kind of? How did that timeline work out? Yeah. So obviously, twenty twenty start start of twenty twenty was thinking like fantastic. You know, way to graduate. Um, in the summer and then obviously boom lockdown and um, until that point really the, the, the job I had was um, you know you know Mass Mexican on the Perth Road yes mate I remember actually yeah I love that place <laughs> so I, I actually used to work as a chef in there um, I honestly don't know how I managed to get the role I was literally just like assistant in the kitchen and I did a couple of days a week and uh, obviously got my furlough throughout the summer and then like Grant, the manager, was just like, I can't, I, I can't keep you on. So I was like, okay, that's fine. And I'm thinking, like, I've always been doing something for the past four years. Like, in my mind, like, I can't really sit still. Like, I can't, can't just, I need to be doing something to keep me stimulated and, like, to keep me productive. So I was like, okay, like, I've got a degree. You know, I, I didn't want to go back to doing, like, working in bars, working hospitality. Like, I'd done that loads. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to start up my own kind of coaching business. And at the time, if, if I'm honest, I did not have a clue what I was doing, right? I asked, I, I leaned on a few people, asked a few people, but then if there's anything that I found is that when you're coaching, like, if it's your business, you just, you, you need to try and test things and kind of experiment. And some people might be hearing that and thinking that's super unprofessional, but I mean, concerning the time it was, there was a lot of uncertainty, didn't, didn't really fancy staying in the house. I had a lot of experience and I was interested as well. So that's why I just started doing kind of like one-to-one and -one small group athletic development sessions and um, like football development sessions with uh, 
kind of, I've like, you know, I've done it with a few of my pals who, you know, grateful for them for essentially, essentially helping me out. And um, just kind of got in contact with people, like people that I knew and was like, I'm offering this, would you be interested? Um, so yeah, that's how, that's how I got started. And then on the side of that, um, I had a, an internship at Dundee University, which kind of started up as we came out of lockdown. I think it was after after the second one mm. or before the second lockdown. And I just went in, I was doing, you know, actual gym-based strength and conditioning. And then on the side, I was doing my business, which was like pitch-based stuff, football stuff. And that was all the stuff that I really loved doing. So that's how that came about, really. Yeah, class, mate. And then obviously from there, what? how did the decision, decision come about to go and do a master's? So um, for me, sometimes I find that I get in my comfort zone really quite quickly. And like, like I said before, I need something that's kind of going to stimulate me. And as much as I, as much as I love this town, as much as I love Morning Thief and Dundee, I just felt that I needed, I needed a new experience. I needed someone to put me in my comfort zone that was going to, um, going to challenge me. And I was at home and don't get me wrong, love mum and dad, love my brother, but I kind of felt that after moving back in after university, I lost my independence a little bit. And, you know, I just kind of started sending away master's applications, sent away to London universities in London, Manchester, Leeds, Edinburgh, Glasgow, and Liverpool, and got accepted for them all. And I was like, I've been to Manchester, London's way too big, too expensive. Edinburgh, Glasgow, I'm kind of comfortable with. I don't really know what's in Leeds, and I was like, we'll, do, we'll go see, we'll go see what the scousers are saying. And literally, like, it was just on, it was just on a whim, like that. I looked at the the ratings for Liverpool John Moores University it's their like top 10 for sport and exercise science in the world like you've got Liverpool Football Club which you can get places if you've got Everton Football Club like there's so much stuff in that city that's going on and I'd never been so I was like you know what let's go do a Masters and I think the, the first time I ever went properly was when I just moved all my stuff down so yeah. that's that's how that came about I just needed to get in my comfort zone needed to experience something and I was just wanting to continuously learn um about sport and exercise science and see what opportunities I could get within the industry yeah mate that's class I think it's so easy to go to stick with what you know and that you could have probably easily went and found some sort of position in Dundee or Glasgow Edinburgh but um I think you know from like a actual educational standpoint and from like from our own personal standpoint, the most growth was going to be done from just chucking yourself in the deep end straight down Absolutely. to Liverpool. Um, so I think that's obviously probably made you grow not only as like a actual strength and conditioning coach, but also as a person as well, no doubt. Definitely. No, that's classmate. So obviously with, I think you should probably add as well that you, you did get your master's with merit. Um, yes. <laughs> a, good, a good accolade to have, I would say. Um, it's, not an easy thing to get, I'd imagine. Um, and then you took up a few placements while you were down there as well. That's obviously part and parcel of doing a strength and conditioning masters. You need to be on the job as well. Yeah. Um, so through the actual, so on the on the course is like an applied placement um, module, and um, I did my I did a nine month placement with uh, Lancashire Cricket. Now, before this. I I couldn't tell you what a wicket is. I couldn't tell you what an over is. 
the only, the only person I knew was like Freddie Flintoff. If, if you said cricket, I'd think Freddie Flintoff. And the reason why, like, I, I mean, my friends were like, why, like, why are you doing a placement in cricket? And I was like, and it, it was kind of much the same why I went to Liverpool because, you know, I could have easily chosen and applied for an, at a, an internship with Liverpool or Everton or like there was opportunities for like Crew Alexandra, Accrington Stanley, Bolton, like, I could have done some in football that, you know, I liked and I enjoyed, but cricket, like, let, let's go see what that's like. Let, let, let's see what it's like, what the kind of SNC is like for that. So I um, I got that, and basically it's at um, Old Trafford. So the like the cricket stadium is right next to actual Old Trafford. So I was going through there like twice a week, really long days, like up at like up at five, getting into, getting into there for like, half seven and like you're there from like half seven to like two three and then you know going on on a Sunday as well um but that gave me like you know I was working with the women's first team um and the boys and girls academy from like under 12s right way through to like on under 18s and to be fair like there you know there was like minor differences between cricket and like football in terms of like their needs, what they need to strength, like what they need to strengthen and that. But, you know, it was, it was a really good opportunity to be at my comfort zone, experience something that I've never had experience of before. And yeah, it was, th- that was a really great opportunity. So the pre-season went from October to May, which is a super long pre-season. And then because obviously it's, it's a summer sport, you can't really play it. During, during the winter of that. So when, when the summer comes, there's games all the time. Yeah. Um, then when it got to the season, you know, I was going to, I was travelling to like Manchester, Wigan, um, up like round, just, just kind of like the northwest, really, delivering the warm-ups, watching the games. So the, the, that was the placement that I'd done. And then I was really fortunate enough to get onto the strength and conditioning into internship program for the university. And essentially it was just like another class. So Monday, Tuesday, I had my actual classes on the masters. And then Wednesday, nine till 12 was, you know, the internship stuff. Mm-hmm. And essentially it, it was like a repeat of the, the stuff we learned Monday, Tuesday, but it was more practical focused and something for me. And I'm sure there'll be people who, well, ho- hopefully there's people out there listening who are the same, but, I'm very much like an in-person, I need to do something actually like physically yeah. to understand it and to like actually do it. Because the thing is like a master's is great, but you'll sit there for like five hours a day, just getting hammered with information, yeah. hammered, hammered, hammered. And you come out and the brain is just like, what on earth is going on? But for me, if I go into a gym and I'm learning how to do a movement, I'm learning the the principles and actually putting it into practice that sticks with me a lot more so i got that opportunity it was really good and through that i was working with an amateur boxer and um, a cricketer and it was just more practical experience and that was like honestly amazing like so so good that's it's obviously a whole abundance of experience with different sports and different athletes i think it's all too easy. Like obviously we're very much, we come from like a football and coaching background. It's very much easy to just go and chase football strength and conditioning and team sports and go, right, okay, I'm going to stick with that because it's what I know. 
But yeah. usually, I think in possibly like almost any career, like if you see like a big gap in your knowledge or a big gap in kind of something that you've done before, it's sometimes good to actually just go and properly just attack that head on. Um, it's a hard yeah. mindset to adopt because it's like, you know what you know, and you kind of want to, you want to get even better at the things you're already good at, which is obviously something that you should do, but it's important to work on weaknesses as well um, within something like that, that you're doing. Um, what were the kind of, I know you kind of touched on it already, but what are kind of like the main differences when programming between teams and like single athletes, like, like boxers, is there any kind of kind of differences in terms of the way that you would program or coach those individuals? Um, so in terms of programming, let's, let's say for example, my boxer, right? He is, he is an amateur, right? He doesn't get paid like a lot to box. He, he's also a uni student. He works like he, he was, what was he doing? He was doing like delivery jobs. So like, you know, Saturday, Friday nights, Saturday nights, he was doing deliveries, but then he boxes, he trains Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it's, I guess, in terms of just actually understanding what their schedule is and then kind of that communication. And it's just one as a coach, you need to understand who it is you're programming. So with an actual single athlete like Tom, my boxer, it was really good. Like communication was always there. We could say based on what he done yesterday or if like say like we do our sessions on a Tuesday and a Thursday. So it would be like kind of a mix of everything. We start with some plyometrics, a lot of ballistic stuff, and then just finish off with like three or four strength exercises. One that's going to like a big compound, um, maybe two compounds, and then two or three like injury prevention exercises. But compared to doing team sports, it is a bit, you know, like in a team, you have got 20, 20 characters, 20 personalities, um, 14 of them actually might really be up for doing the S&C. Um, four of them might be like, let's, let's just get this done. And then the other two might be like, I'm not interested in this at all. So it's about, for the teams, it's about what what is what are the exercises going to like promote in terms of adaptations uh, specific to their sport? But then how do I keep them engaged as well? And uh, that's something that I've really found out um, with my current role at the university, like I, you know, was really fortunate enough to to get presented with like the role of strength and conditioning coach for the university, and it's, it's been a big learning curve, but it's something that I've really enjoyed. And you got to be mindful as well that these uni students they're not like they're not like elite athletes. They you know they they'll they train on a Monday, they train on a Tuesday, they play Wednesday, they'll go out and get absolutely sloshed. <laughs> you know, they'll come in on a Friday, probably still hungover. So it's about kind of getting the engagement, but not like overdoing it. And it all comes back to knowing who you're working with. And I think that when me and you were at that um at the high performance coach event on Saturday, I think that, that that's the biggest thing I took away is that as a coach, as a personal trainer, you honestly need to know who you're working with. Say to them, like, how is it that you want to be coached? Have, go and have conversations with, like, two or three people in that group. Talk to people here, talk to people there. So it's, it's all about just kind of knowing who you've got, reading the room, and also just being aware of, like, 
structure and calendars. Like yeah. they might have a league game this week, then next week they've got a cup game. So, and that cup game is really important. So, you know, we're going to focus on this thing one week and focus on that the next week. Yeah, I mean, I think the old saying goes is like, coach the person, not the process. So it's like person over process rather than process over person. Because I think, like, especially in the SNC world, like, you can go and fire out like a skeleton plan for a for an SNC program, and it can look the dog's bollocks. It can have the plyo, it can have the ballistics, it can have all the banded amazing exercises that you want to give it. But unless that person actually physically enjoys doing that session, then it almost becomes like almost becomes pointless to to a certain extent. Like you need Absolutely. to buy in and the enjoyment first, and especially like if we flip it around and go to kind of the kind of person that me and you are coaching now within the nine to five athlete. Don't get me wrong. There are some like pretty decent athletes in there. There are semi-pro athletes, guys that play for maybe even a little bit of money, some of them. Um, But the people that are not playing for money, like you can give them the fanciest kind of things that you want, but it's got to be enjoyable. It's, It's got to, you've got to get that person to return back to the gym by their own will and not having to force them. Um, that is probably the main thing that I've taken away from like two years doing this. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think as well, like, I, like, I, I, I certainly found out like, you know, I think like when I started off my masters and like, sometimes you can go into things and like, cause you've not had feedback, like serious feedback. When you do get serious feedback, it hurts you a bit. Mm. And I might've done a session and like one of my supervisors was like, that was absolute crap. And I was like, say oh I've absolutely chucked this here like but then you need to be asking people what did you think of this or can you give me some feedback on the exercises that I'm giving you and they might say yeah I really enjoyed I really enjoyed this but I'm really not engaging with that I don't understand why I'm doing that and I I think like like you said it's so easy just to give someone or give a team a plan and say do that for six weeks yeah but if you're not saying over the next six weeks, these first two weeks we're focusing on this. Yeah. That's why we're doing it, and that's what that this is where we're trying to go. It's it's like like you say you're you're just trying to pave out a path rather than going right. You're here. I need you there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's that's, like that's how I feel. Yeah. So for example, like I had like sometimes get there are certain people that will kind of just do whatever I give them and they won't ask questions, but there there are other people that will give me feedback. And for example, someone asked me the other day like. Ryan, why the fuck am I doing a 370 centric? What's the point in this? And then I obviously had to go in and explain the reasoning behind it. And I was like, well, I po- possibly missed the point there. I should have explained it first. And then you wouldn't have been like <laughs> really upset when I given you the, the horrible 370 centric back squat um, because it, it doesn't feel nice. It's, it's pretty no. painful. So once you give them that rationale and once you explain, right, okay, this is why you're doing A, B, C, and D, and this is why it's in this order. And this is why you're doing this exercise that's really shit. Um, if you want to develop your quads, then we're doing rear foot elevated split squats as horrible as they are. Um, and then that kind of, you get the buy-in, but if you just plaster it at them and go off your pop, there's sometimes that lack of buy-in, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. Um, but yeah, mate, I think we've, we've kind of covered it a little bit, but in terms of your like philosophy when it comes to programming, um, is there any kind of other things that you would say um, of kind of, shape the way that you would program and the way that you would approach coaching um yeah definitely um i'm I'm probably maybe repeating myself a bit here but 
it's all down to the person first. Like, I actually, I, I went back and looked at like my philosophy, my psychology module for uni. And this is like, this is what I wrote basically. Like, my role as an SSC coach is to deliver training that aims to reduce injury risk with, whilst increasing performance to make my athlete or client as available as I can. As a coach, my responsibility is to educate and safely guide my athletes and clients to their goals. As a human, I'm responsible for clearly communicating and understanding the needs of the person. And, you know, I, I work with youth athletes, I work with university athletes, and I work with, like, mums and dads and aunties. So it all comes down to understanding, okay, what's the need for, like, what is it they need to achieve their goal? Um, and it's it's educating, like, as a coach, like, you know, you've been given all this knowledge, and it's like, okay, fantastic, you've got an undergrad, you've got a master's, you've got a level three, you've got a level four PT. And it's just so easy just to give someone someone, but the way that you'll get buy-in and the way you get return is by kind of building blocks. So starting from an exercise, okay, we're going to progress it to that. We're progressing it to that. If they're sticking at it, okay, we regress. And I think just as a coach, you need to have a, a, a big library of exercises that you know. It's yeah, not man. just like... It's not just like, you know, m like m machines are great, but it's like, it's, it's not just like you're just going to do machines for the whole time. Yeah, I know. Get, get them exposed to machines, dumbbells, kettlebells. Get them exposed to jumping. And I think like a, a big thing that I'm kind of finding with my general population athletes is that, yeah, strength is good. But like, if you think about the movements, like I, I was having like a really random thought when I was like like my mum came home yesterday and she she put the shopping on the floor I think she was doing that deliberately just to annoy me I was like you know I can't really bend over to pick that up but I was thinking I was like okay like it's essentially a deadlift me getting down picking up the shopping putting it up so I'm kind of beginning to think more about like kind of functional training as such and I know that there's people out there who aren't really you know functional training this functional training that but if I'm training someone who just wants to train for everyday life, you know, I want to get them exposed to being in an uncomfortable plane, whether it's doing like a lateral lunge that way or like, or jumping up and step ups rather than just doing something like in place. So I, I like to kind of be exposed to a lot of things and just program based on what they need for yeah. their, for, for that, for their goals and that. Yeah. I mean, I think I like I hope I've answered that okay. No, no, no. You have that for sure. I think functional training, I think the problem people have is like it's it doesn't sound sexy and it's not like, right, okay, oh, this is brilliant. I'm gonna look like an absolute badass doing this double body weight squat or something like that. And it's quite it's quite hard to sell, but like if anyone at any age of any kind of body shape needs any justification to be doing strength training or for doing any strength and conditioning, it's that you're going to move better longer in your life. You're going to, there's so, like, you could literally list off the benefits. Like you generally think that everyone at any age, if they're able, should be doing strength training. Like there's nothing but benefits to, to come from it. So it's, um, and I think I just want to obviously add one, one last thing to what we were saying about coaching and, and kind of what it all comes down to. And I think obviously within the SNC world, we get, and I certainly used to get caught up in SNC, like SNC when I did it at uni, I just thought, like if someone said something to me that I kind of 
disagreed with. I was like, no, 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 you've got to follow the science. You've got to follow the, the evidence. You've got to do it this way with great form. And I think when it comes down to like client and coach, that's all fine and well, but well, the example that we use is they basically said like with a, with a therapist. So when you get, a, when you have a therapist, I think there was a, like a longitudinal study done over a number of years. And they basically said that the thing that benefits the client with a therapist is not actually the version of the therapy that they're going through. It could be like cognitive behavioral therapy. It could be any of the other sort of ways. It's actually the connection between the therapist and the client and their ability to have good conversations. And I think that's obviously the same with the way that we coach. Like it's about building up a connection with that person because if you're like, for example, an online coach and if you're just a WhatsApp message and you've never met that person, you've never had a Zoom with them, you never spoke face to face, it can never really be that buy-in. Um, so that's yeah. obviously what we we need to try and do, obviously as an in-person coach and as a as an online coach as well. I think that's crucial. Definitely, definitely. I'd agree with that 100%. Yeah, mate. So to finish off on, I didn't really write this question down. Um, but what's kind of, do you have any, so I know I think I asked this question a while back, so I probably didn't answer, but what's what's kind of next for you, obviously, off the back of recovering from your kidney? What's next for training? What's next for kind of career? Is there anything in the pipeline? Or are you just looking to get back to feeling good again? Um. So get getting back to feeling good again is definitely number one. That is like, that's my kind of priority, really. But um, I always like these questions because, you know, at uni, they're like, oh, what's your, what's your five-year plan? And, like, for me, like, based off, like, the back of, like, lockdown and that, like, I can't really make a five-year plan. I, I don't know what's going to happen next week. But kind of over the next, like, one to two years, um, I would love to stay in my job at the university. I would love to do that for another, um, well, obviously, when I go back, I'm there for a month and then, the team stopped training. So if I was able to do that again next year from September to April, that would be amazing. Um, I'm looking at doing my um, NSCA qualification, so the National Strength and Conditioning Association. So it would just be a qualification that it just says certified strength and conditioning coach. And it would just make it a bit more credible. Not not like I'm saying at the moment that, I'm uh, not credible, but it would just be a good way to like continuously professionally develop myself. Really, um, when I get down, when I get back down to Liverpool, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna really push my in-person personal training um, because when I was working at the underground training station, because I knew that I was getting the surgery, I didn't want to start pushing my in-person PT to then go away for like two months. Yeah. Um, so the big focus when I get back down there is throughout the summer, I'm just going to be pushing my PT, my own uh, in-person PT. And that's what I want to do. And I would love to do like a, at, at the gym, we done like a kind of high rock style event. And it was, uh, it was, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. But for three days after, like the endorphins, like the feel good high that I had was unbelievable because I remember before I was like, I've, I've not trained for this. Like I am going to be absolutely shite at it. But then I'd done it and it was okay. And even though my legs were burning, like I couldn't actually feel like my thighs I felt amazing. So I would like to go and kind of get like a wee taste, for, like a high rocks event or, or some sort of like endurance, like running a half marathon or like run the marathon. But 
I think the biggest thing for me is just getting back down to Liverpool, sorting out my schedule, sorting out my routine, and um, just continue to like doing the good work and the passion that I have yeah. for strength, conditioning, and coaching. Excellent, mate. I think you've obviously got a career that you love, and you've got a a pathway to progress. And um, it's just it's, it's it's a nice place to be in because you're like, well, there's not really like a an end goal. There's not really, as you said, there's not really a five year plan of where I want to be. It's just a case of getting back into a job that you love and just seeing where it takes you because it's it's only it's only moving forwards. Definitely. Classmate, um, I think we probably covered everything there. Um, it'll be a nice little chance for obviously my clients to get to know you and anyone else that's listening to Spotify to kind of get a gist for like what you're about and kind of the things that we're obviously doing in the coaching aspect. So um, yeah, if anyone is listening, this is this is the the duo that are running the 95 athletes just now. So uh, <laughs> you're in good hands. You're in good hands. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, classmate, I'll catch you in a bit then. Thanks for the podcast. Thank you very much, mate. Thank you for having me on.